It is great to worship with you. Thank you for joining us here at Providence Church. My name is Jacob Armstrong. I'm one of the pastors here, and I have a phrase for you today, uh, one that I want you to hear me say. I hope that you'll see it here in just a moment on the screen, and um, even I want you to say it with me if you can do that in the situation that you're in. The phrase is this, unto the Lord, unto the Lord. So if you're not like uh, in, in a meeting or something or where you can't, uh, where you can say it out loud, I just invite you to say it with me, unto the Lord, unto the Lord. Now, unto is kind of a fancy way of just saying to or to like to give something to someone or to offer something. I guess better, better said it's not a fancy way, it's an old way. It's an ancient way of saying to. In fact, if you look up unto in the dictionary, it just says an archaic way of saying to. So the reason I'm using it is because when you say unto, it just sounds a bit more serious unto the Lord or, or maybe uh, a bit more important unto the Lord. Like if, if you were to ask like, so how long is, is marriage? Like how long is this marriage thing supposed to be? And you hear unto death. Like, oh, okay, this is serious. This is, this is important. Uh, another place that I hear the word unto, uh, maybe you've, you've heard this, this line, is this, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Now, we could just say, and sometimes we do, just do to others what you would have them do to you. But that's not the way Jesus said it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Jesus didn't speak Old English or English. Some of you are like, what? But anyways, do unto others as you would have them do unto you is how that phrase from Jesus is written in the King James Bible, something that was written a long time ago, but has been the most popular English translation for a long, long time. So that's how a lot of us have heard it, and our parents heard it, and our grandparents heard it, and there seems to be a power in saying it the old way. That seems to be the way that I still say it. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So this line, unto the Lord, what I'm wanting to uh, talk with you about today is fasting unto the Lord. Not just fasting to the Lord, but unto the Lord. Why? Well, I want us to think about how fasting is something that has been done for a long time. It's an old way, an old way to connect with God. It's an old practice that people have used to getting closer to God. And that practice has power and it's serious. Fasting is just giving something up. We often talk about it with food, but it doesn't have to be food at all. It's just giving something up. You can fast from anything. And what we're up to this summer, some of you heard about last week, is we're exploring each week an old spiritual pathway. The series is called Pathways. We're looking at these old ways to connect with God, some ways that we can take a hold of in our own life every day, just us walking with God. And I want to talk about fasting, but I didn't want to do it without making sure that we knew that it's really, really old. Now, the reason I'm emphasizing really, really old is because fasting is something right now that seems really, really new. There's a lot of people that are fasting right now. I've heard more about fasting in the last couple of years than I heard my whole life in the church. And what I'm talking about is people are fasting as a way uh, to be healthy, to control weight loss, uh, to lose weight. You've, I'm sure, heard of people who are intermittent fasting, which means certain hours or a lot of hours of the day, they're not eating. It turns out if you don't eat, you lose weight. It's an amazing concept. But I found this development, this recent development of people fasting and talk about fasting interesting as a 
pastor because this has not been the case for long. In fact, most books that you will read about the spiritual practice of fasting set it up as something that people don't understand or would have probably even never done. In my opinion, kind of the foundational book on spiritual pathways is one Mark referenced last week, The Celebration of Discipline by Richard J. Foster. I've read the book cover to cover more than a few times, and in it, Foster talks about fasting as a really hard thing to grasp because he wrote the book in 1988. 1988 was like the golden age of the golden arches. <laughs> you know, it was like little Caesar came out and they're like, you want a pizza? We'll give you two. What I'm saying is like, uh, if I'm speaking to kids uh, who, are, who are much younger than me, I'm a kid of the 80s. Our parents did not regulate <laughs> our eating in the 80s. It was like a free-for-all. Nobody's dad was fasting. <laughs> like, your dad took you to Mr. Gaddy's. It was a different time. Like I came home from school and I ate a Swiss cake roll, little Debbie, you know, a hot pocket. And my parents were like, good boy, now go lay down and play Nintendo, <laughs> you know? They weren't worried about me uh, not eating. They wanted you to eat. Like we got a balloon if we cleaned our plate at Shoney's. It was a different time. And what I'm saying is things change, things shift over time. Nobody was fasting in 1988, but today fasting is in. It's, it's, a, it's a craze. It's a, it's a fad. I get this ad on Facebook. Um, now I'm wondering why I get this ad on Facebook. But I get this ad on Facebook that says, do fasting. That's the name of some company. I'm not promoting it. I don't know anything about it, but I get it a lot. It says, do fasting. It has one of those split screen pictures, you know, the person with weight loss. So on the left side is a guy, it's a guy's belly and the belly is larger on the left side than it is on the right side. You can't see his face. I don't know if it's the same guy, but the belly is smaller from before fasting to after fasting. So I'm saying all this to say, right now people are talking about fasting. Uh, lots of people are intermittent fasting. If I was making a bet, I would bet that pretty soon there's going to be another way that people are engaging weight loss and health and that kind of thing, and fasting may become a little bit less talked about. What I want to talk to you about is how fasting is old. The spiritual practice is old, and that fasting uh, fasting unto the Lord, that's why I'm saying it that way, is important, serious. And there's a power, there's a power to it. I know you get I'm being silly about intermittent fasting. Clearly, it's a good way to lose weight. But what I want to talk to you about is fasting unto the Lord, fasting unto the Lord. In that book, Celebration of Discipline, Richard Foster says, fasting can bring breakthroughs in the spiritual realm that will never happen in any other way. Whoa, that's a big statement. Fasting can bring breakthroughs in the spiritual realm that will never happen in any other way. The reason Foster would say something with such confidence, such, you know, with such a definitive way is because he's referencing something that Jesus told his disciples when they saw something happen that they could not explain, that actually they had tried to do, but they couldn't do, which was heal a little boy, a boy that was, that was dealing with all kinds of spirits in him, all kinds of things that were happening in him, and Jesus healed him. And they're like, Jesus, we tried to do that. Why couldn't we do that? And Jesus says, oh, that can only happen if you pray and fast unto the Lord. You know, that can only happen through, through this, this, this way of connecting with God, prayer and fasting. Fasting is a part of the whole biblical story. If you look at the people who fasted in the Bible, it is a who's who. Moses fasted, David fasted, Daniel fasted, Esther fasted for her people and fasted for the nation. Anna, a prophetess, awaited the coming of the Messiah, and it says she worshiped and she fasted. She worshiped and she fasted. Paul fasted after he encountered Jesus on the road. He didn't eat, and Jesus fasted. Amazing. Jesus actually fasted as a way of giving something up to get closer to God. Here's one place that it tells about it. Matthew chapter 4. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness 
to be tempted by the devil. Listen to what he does. It says, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter or the evil one or the devil came to him and said, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus fasted. Jesus was hungry. And when the devil said to him, hey, you know, we could make some bread right here on the ground. Jesus says, man doesn't live on just bread. He says, man lives uh, on, on the words that come from the mouth of God. And what Jesus was doing here was actually quoting the book of De- Deuteronomy. It's an old book. So what Jesus was doing was exactly what we're doing. He is going back. He's relying on something old as a way of remembering what God has told him. So Deuteronomy, what it's talking about is a time when the Israelites were hungry. And if you go back and read it, what it says is God actually caused the hunger so that they would know they don't live on just bread. God caused a physical hunger to remind them of a spiritual hunger so that they would remember that they really only live because of God speaking to them. (laughs) Some of you know my opinion on bread by now. I talked about it over the years. If you're new with with us, my opinion on bread is that it is good. I preached a sermon on Charlie's Rolls one time, but Jesus chose to give up bread, something that was really good. He chose to deny himself, to exercise restraint, to remove something from his life so that he could come to a deeper way of connecting with God. That's fasting. Jesus did that, and he was the son of God. So Jesus chose to fast. If we're going to fast, it'll have to be a choice that we make. Jesus chose to give up something that he usually desired, not only that he usually desired, but in this case, that he needed. And he did that. He gave it up for the purpose of connecting with God, for preparing for what was next in his life. So Jesus chose to fast. Jesus was then more ready to encounter the devil because of the fast, not in spite of the fast. Jesus was more ready to encounter the devil because of the fast, not in spite of the fast. He was, he was um, not more vulnerable or weaker to the evil one's schemes. He was more ready This is astounding. Jesus was able to withstand the temptation because of his decision to fast. Fasting, as Foster said, leads to spiritual breakthroughs, and it happens when we're weaker in the flesh but stronger in the spirit. Intermittent fasting, which I've talked about, the thing that folks are doing now, I did a little research on it. Um, It actually strengthens the body metabolically, which means it strengthens this metabolic uh, uh, system that we have, the organs that we have that, that work on food, those organs and that system actually works better because of the restraint and the removal of food. Interesting. The same thing happens spiritually. Restraint and removal makes you more ready for what's coming. Removing those things from the system and letting it feel what it feels like when it's not there Uh, actually is a strengthening exercise. Jesus was more ready for the devil because he'd had 40 days without food. But what the devil does to him and to us is the devil tailored his temptation to Jesus' method of going deeper with God. I'll say that again. The devil tailored his temptation to Jesus, and he tailored it to Jesus' method of going deeper with God. What do I mean? The devil noticed Jesus' desire to go deeper And the devil noticed the way in which Jesus was doing it, not eating. And so he went right to that place 
to tempt. Some of us who are seeking to go deeper, we've, we've been praying, we've been seeking. Maybe you're faithful to listen to this podcast every week. I get your email saying, you know, I'm listening every week. You're doing these things, these practices. The devil will come right there, right to that spot. Jesus says, I'm choosing not to eat to focus more on God. And the devil's like, you want some bread? The devil has no new tricks, guys, because his original one works so well. This, what the devil is doing to Jesus in temptation in the wilderness, is the same exact thing the devil does in the garden in Genesis when sin first enters in. God has said to the people, you know, I have what you need to eat. I have all that you need to eat. Just don't eat that. Just don't eat that. And so the people in a place of restraint based on obedience to God's word, don't eat that. So they're restraining themselves from that eating based on obedience to what God has said to them, were tricked by the devil when he says, don't you want that? And we do. So this is the moment where there's even more reason to fast, to restrain, to keep it away. Because a fast keeps us reminded. It shows our desperation for God. A fast just puts us in a place where we're remembering over and over because our belly is rumbling or we've given up social media that we want to look at or whatever thing that we're doing. We're fasting and it reminds us, oh yeah, I am totally desperate for God. I'm desperate for what God, what God alone can give me. I feel like Christians right now are too much drama, not enough desperate. And what I mean is I'm making a distinction to say uh, drama, the way I'm talking about it is drama is something that we create, this energy, this emotion that creates a focus on ourself. It, focuses, it just keeps focus on ourselves. I do this, I, I sound off in this way, I do this thing, I create this drama. It creates a focus on ourself. And that kind of drama is really tempting because we like to focus on self. But instead, spiritually, what is recommended is a fast. And a fast is a very desperate thing to do. A fast says, I need God. A fast says, I need God. I need what God says to me. I'm going to take a hold of the things God said I could take a hold of. And I think um, there are some things that wait to happen until we get desperate for God. That's why Jesus says this will only go by, by prayer and fasting. There's some things that wait to happen in the spiritual realm until we get really desperate for God. I think people can spend their whole life in church without a desperation for God and miss so much. Uh, you won't miss worship services. You can do that and not be desperate for God. You won't miss salvation. You can be saved, I'm not saying that. But what you'll miss is power. The power comes when you're so desperate for, for God. You're like, I'll give that up. I need to give that up, if, if only for a time being, so that I can be close to God. Dallas Willard says that fasting confirms our utter dependence on God by finding him a source of sustenance beyond food. <laughs> fasting unto our Lord, that's where I got the phrase, fasting unto our Lord is feasting on him. <laughs> when we fast, we get to feast on Jesus. We get to feast on the things of God and get to feast on doing his will. I wonder sometimes you know, if my spiritual belly is more like the picture on the left right now, you know, the bigger belly. I wonder if sometimes our spiritual bellies are like the belly on the left. We're not starving spiritually. We're consuming all kinds of things, all kinds of things spiritually to fill us up. Many other foods that don't really fill us up, they just bloat us. We don't live on bread alone. We were made to live on the Word of God. Maybe taking some things away will actually 
fill us up. Maybe taking some things away will actually fill us up. I'm going to say it one more time. Maybe taking some things away will actually fill us up. So let's try it. Let's try this old ancient practice that our spiritual mothers and fathers showed us was a way to connect deeper with God and his power. So some things we can do. What if we take something away for a period of time? I'm going to let you think on what that could be for you. I'm not going to try to make that up. But I am going to encourage you to think, what if this week was a week for fasting? This week, I'll try to fast, where you take something away. I've talked a lot about food, but fasting is not just about food. That may not be a healthy or a good way for you to fast, but there might be something you can do, something that you can take away. Some of you are on vacation right now, and you're thinking, this is not my week for fasting. (laughs) Well, what if you fasted from your screen or from social media? There are some things on vacation that you could take away that could actually fill you up. That's what I'm choosing for the summer on my Sabbath days, the days that I stop. I have to pull away a bit from the screen, from social media. It's not, it's not filling me up in the right way. It's bloating me. To restrain, to remove, but to do that unto the Lord, to do it unto the Lord. Maybe something already taken away can become a fast for you. Maybe something that's already been taken away from you can become a fast. This is something I've been thinking about a lot. Uh, I'll say it this way. Maybe a frustration can become a fast. I had a recent consultation with my doctor, and he recommended that I give up caffeine for a season. So I got a new doctor. No, no, I gave up caffeine. Uh, it's the first time I've done this in my adult life. I have not had caffeine in a few weeks, and it is absolutely terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. I'm very unhappy about it. But I just realized in preparing for this sermon that I have done nothing around that frustration, that giving up. Nothing about that had anything to do with the Lord for me. It was just a frustration, a recommendation from the doctor, a wise recommendation. And so I'm going to seek to choose to let this frustration be instead unto the Lord. I'm just now practicing that, just kind of walking through when I'm, when I'm wanting to have that afternoon cup of coffee to say, I don't get that right now. And I'm going to turn my attention unto the Lord. I'm going to give the ache to the Lord. And I think there could be some power right there, changing the frustration to a fast. Maybe you're intermittent fasting, which I've, I know that I joked about, but maybe you're doing that because you need to. And it's a frustration for you. It's not something that's lighthearted for you. Maybe that could become a fast also unto the Lord. Another one for you, I kind of mentioned it. What if we let the aches become a fast? Let the ache become a fast. People are feeling a lot of aches right now. And I'm not talking about physical aches and pains. As a pastor, I pay a lot of attention to the aches of people. The thing that, 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 they're, that they're just sitting right on top of, the ache, that, the, the longings. And what if we let those feelings be unto the Lord? There's all kinds of things we can do with those feelings, with the aches. But uh, what if, you know, maybe some of the losses the last year, what if instead of just filling ourselves right back up, we turned it unto the Lord? We turned the ache unto the Lord. Maybe that's your fast. A real practical one that I want to invite some of you to be a part of is just fasting from dinner tonight until dinner tomorrow. A lot of y'all are watching this on Sunday, maybe. Maybe it's another day. Um, But John Wesley, who was the founder of the Methodist movement, he had a fast that he did every week, and it was from uh, sundown. He did it on Friday, sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. It was a a practice for him, an old practice. And we live in the stream, in the the rhythm of John Wesley uh, as Methodist uh, here at Providence. And so I want to invite you to try that. you're watching this on Sunday. So a lot of us can do this together if you can. And it's very simple. Just eat dinner tonight. And then after dinner, don't eat anything. 
begin your fast. And then we'll fast together the next day, and then you can eat dinner the, the, next, the next night. You miss two meals. We're going to fast together, which is also biblical. There are many times when people call a fast where people do that together. So some of us can do this together. So if you want to do that, if you can, fasting from food, from dinner to dinner, or maybe something else, I want to give you two parts of it. The first is to consider what is your desperate place for God? You have something, some ache that you could say, I want to turn this unto the Lord, and so I'm going to fast. The second part, though, is if you're doing this with us, I want to ask you to fast unto the Lord for the vision that God has given us for this church, for Providence Church. Here's what the vision of Providence Church is to see those that feel disconnected from God and the church find hope, healing, and wholeness in Jesus Christ. Maybe you've heard that statement. Maybe you've experienced some of that in your life, hope, healing, and wholeness through Jesus, through this church. Well, I'd want you to know that for 13 years or so, there's been a bunch of people praying around that, praying and at times fasting so that other people and we can experience that together. So I would love uh, for you to join me in this uh, from dinner tonight, to the next dinner in a fast together, fasting unto the Lord. This summer, we are trying to learn some old ancient pathways that have connected people to God for a long time. Last week, Pastor Mark talked to us about solitude and silence and prayer. This week, fasting. Next week is worship, something that maybe you've done a lot of or you're just getting started in. Worship is actually an old ancient practice. You do not want to miss next week. Our amazing, beloved worship team is actually gonna teach us how uh, we can practice worship in our life. It's gonna be great. I also want you to know about the Pathways Retreat, something that's happening in July. Uh, July the 17th, it's just a morning uh, session, and we would love for you to be a part of a whole, um, a whole season, a whole retreat together with a bunch of other people, becoming aware of God's presence in your life. We have some special people coming in who are going to share with us how these ancient pathways can, can continue to lead us closer to God in our lives. So for today, let us make a fast unto the Lord. Let us consider where we're aching and what it is maybe that we need to give up, maybe something that's already been taken away that we can turn towards God. Let us consider how we can trust in God. I'd like for you to think about, am I really desperate for Jesus? Am I really desperate for God? Or am I just creating a lot of drama all over the place? What would it look like for you to, instead of being dramatic, be desperate in a place of desperation for God to say, I need you. And I need you so bad, I'm going to give this up for a while so I can notice how much I need you. And what you will find there is the presence of God. You will find him meet you there in your fast, in your weakness, in your ache. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Lord, we pray, uh, even if fasting is something we've never thought about, that we could step into this lineage of our, uh, as I said, spiritual mothers and fathers who've shown us a way to connect with you that we could explore this ancient practice of fasting, what it might mean to give up a meal or um, to give up something that's been distracting us or something we know that we've put our attention on that we're not supposed to put our attention on. God, help us to know what it really feels like to live into obedience to your word, that that means restraint and oftentimes removal. And it's in that place that we actually find life. So help us, God, as we walk through this together. In Jesus' name. Amen.